0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of our talk on typical and atypical appearances of neuroendocrine tumors, the role of CTA and cinematic rendering. In the first part of the study, uh, I went through a number of different uh, points with you about the appearances of neuroendocrine tumors, how most of them are vascular, but they can be hypovascular as well. They can contain calcifications. If they're critically located, they can obstruct the pancreatic duct and very much simulate an adenocarcinoma. So although we like to think of them as a very classic lesion, and most of the time you're gonna be right, there are mimics like metastatic renal cell carcinoma, but again, you probably will see a partial nephrectomy or a total nephrectomy, but there are other things we need to look at. So let's look at a few more examples. Here's a nice case of a patient with a neuroendocrine tumor. It's vascular but there are very dense calcifications. There are multiple calcifications. Now, the appearance of calcified pancreatic lesions, I always think first about neuroendocrine tumors, cirrhosis adenoma, particularly central calcification, MCNs, peripheral calcification, and if you think about SPEN tumors, they can have a range of appearances. In fact, SPEN and neuroendocrine may be the ones that overlap the most. But again, a nice example, and you could see it here again with the cinematic rendering, the vascular lesion, the areas of calcification. Most cases of neuroendocrine tumor like this one do not have pancreatic duct but we'll come back to that in a moment. Here's another case, not very vascular. It's in the uncinate process, and again, you could think very much this is an adenocarcinoma. It is a bit more enhancing on the edge perhaps than a typical adenocarcinoma. And this is a cystic neuroendocrine tumor. Neuroendocrine tumors, both small and large, can be cystic. Some of them are almost purely cystic, looking like an IPMN. The one helpful thing to me is those cystic lesions typically have rim enhancement. With IPMNs, there is no enhancement. As we said, neuroendocrine tumors are typically solid, but cystic lesions can occur. And again, looking at the wall of the lesion is gonna be particularly helpful to you. Another example of a cystic neuroendocrine tumor in the tail of the pancreas. When you look quickly, you say IPMN, maybe serous adenoma, maybe mucinous cyst adenoma. But when you look more carefully at the lesion, particularly at the cinematic, you see thickening of the wall, you see subtle enhancement, but this thickening and this nodularity in the wall is not for IPMNs. Yes, you can have some nodularity in an IPMN that has become malignant, but here it's about 360, the enhancement, and the nodularity. Another case, here's another cystic neuroendocrine tumor. Here, there's both solid and cystic components. There's wall thickening and widespread liver metastasis as well. Again, the danger in potentially missing these, assuming they're IPMNs can occur with the uh, well-defined lesions, but something like this. The only question you really have is, could this be an adenocarcinoma rather than a neuroendocrine tumor? One has to admit cystic mets with rim enhancement are more likely neuroendocrine tumors. Another example, here's one of those great cases where the differential diagnosis is neuroendocrine tumor tail of pancreas versus splenule. Now, splenules enhance identical to the spleen on both arterial and venous phase imaging. In this case, you know, it's pretty close how the lesion enhances compared to the spleen. But if you looked at the venous phase, it would be brighter than the spleen. So at times, neuroendocrine tumors in the tail of the pancreas can confuse you with accessory spleen. So indeed, you need to be very careful. What do you do if you can't make up your mind? you could do mr sometimes that's helpful most of the time um, nuke studies looking at Tagra blood cell studies can be particularly helpful and here again is that same lesion in the tail of the pancreas very nicely shown you see the vasculature you see the enhancement And again, changing the parameter set with cinematic rendering makes it easier to pick up smaller tumors. I think by looking at the texture map with cinematic rendering, I believe it's also easy to distinguish between a neuroendocrine tumor and a splenule. Here's another case. Now, we mentioned before that neuroendocrine tumors typically don't obstruct the pancreatic duct. Typically, but not always. Here is a lesion that I would always call a pancreatic adenocarcinoma. Markedly dilated pancreatic duct, particularly well seen in the coronal views, and abrupt cutoff. It's subtle, the mass that's present, but I would say it's an adenocarcinoma until proven otherwise. If you look hard with a vivid imagination and knowing the correct answer, you can say, well this lesion is a bit brighter, but it's really not hypervascular. It's maybe a bit denser, but I still would go with an adenocarcinoma. Nevertheless, this lesion will need to be removed or EUS with biopsy. Now with neuroendocrine tumors, if they arise in the pancreatic duct region or in the duct proper, many of these will secrete serotonin. They cause a stricture and that's why you have the dilated pancreatic duct. But just a potential pitfall and a good example of showing you the overlap between neuroendocrine tumors and adenocarcinoma. Here's that same case using cinematic rendering. And again, the points we made, adenocarcinoma commonly or almost always obstructs the pancreatic duct unless it's located very low in the Uncine process, where it may not. And a can. um, The lesions that are neuroendocrine that obstruct the duct typically are secreting serotonin. And this was an article written way back when by one of my colleagues, Satomi Kawamoto. Now, I've showed you 14 cases. We've looked at the axials, the coronals, the volume rendered, the MIP, the cinematic rendering. I think cinematic rendering has a bright future in pancreatic imaging, both for adenocarcinoma as well as neuroendocrine tumors. Again, we need to look with real studies to see how much more accurate it is or isn't. Can we pick up smaller lesions or better identify lesions? That's all things that need to be done. I also think that AI is going to be imposed on cinematic rendering to help optimize study visualizations and image quality, to help detect findings that are subtle but hidden in the data set, and to help predict tumor types as well as tumor grades. So with that, that's the end of part two. I hope this helps you in your daily practice. And with that, have a great day. Oh yes, here are some references if you wanna read some more. And the references keep changing. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.